0: yes we're back with another riders or pair of riders and they're dangerous riders to be honest boxes and coaches and all of that uh, what's your name gents
1: daily Parales, the daily effect boxing trenches owner of trenches co-owner of trenches and then martin the example forum
0: okay <laughs>
1: are you from this area no but we're very well connected in okay. uh, you know all over london so
0: okay yeah. that's good so tell us about what were you like when you were in school. <laughs> Me first.
2: <laughs> a nightmare. Is it? <laughs> well, no, no. To be honest, not really. Oh, I Jeff, could be a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> a nightmare if I didn't get in my way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what? Are we talking primary, we're secondary? Evil. Going all the way up. So all the way up. Primary, I was. Uh, yeah, I had it. I needed it my way. Uh, secondary. I was a bit more minding my own business, a bit more away from school, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't
0: know. Uh and what what changed over that time where you started to mind your own business?
2: Other interest. I I just knew school wasn't for me, so I just didn't really Yeah, I don't know, I didn't like it. I hate I hated school. What did you hate about school? Uh authority. Okay. You know, someone else telling me what to do. What, what I can and cannot do
0: and would you say you're still like that now?
2: No. no no
0: no so I was going to say you've got a coach and a manager I assume yeah yeah it's
2: yeah, cool. <laughs> th- different though because it's something I love you know I really love fighting and so, yeah. so it be fair it, to say yeah. it, it's
0: not about what you the authority in general it's about if you're interested in the subject
2: yeah but it was funny because we were talking about this yesterday yesterday we were talking about if I was to box, for example, or sparring, and someone would tell me, "Ah, oh, move your head,"
1: or "You're doing this wrong,"
2: yeah. or "I'm doing this or that wrong," then I'm not gonna do it. You know, I'm
1: gonna. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. Like, so even say, if like, they, like, right, I, I do my thing. But, Is it?
2: No, but 100. I listen to my coach. We got a great connection. We got, you know, we got the same same vision. So
0: where do you think that comes from? The desire to do different? Because you're not alone there. There's a certain
2: amount of people on the planet who just. You'll uh, do the opposite. Well, for me, it comes from, a, I don't know, man. Childhood, you know? Not, not, I mean, I didn't have a father around to tell me what I couldn't, can, cannot do. Okay. My mum was there, but not really, yeah, not not too much as well. Like, not really telling me what, to, Yeah, I don't know.
0: All right. But oh. then
2: to hear it from someone else, you know, I used to get a lot in trouble, police and stuff, and then... That will even you know make it worse and and then school and oh man, I hated it
0: no, I, yeah. I can understand that yeah. so a lot of people it's like if if your father's there when you're young you're used to someone you admire guiding yeah. you your yes. faith and trust and opportunity in there but then when the only authority figure has no real interest in you it's yeah. just telling you what to do then it becomes frustrating
2: Yes, exactly. In that respect. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot better when I started boxing though. Okay. Yeah.
0: And why do you think that is
2: why it got better? Yeah, why why do you think it got better when you was doing boxing? It brought me discipline. I was like, Oh wait a minute. It's it's okay to listen, you know. And it's okay, you know, to have someone else, you know, look over you and look out for you.
0: Okay. That's interesting. A lot yeah. of people said a similar thing with the military. A lot of people yeah. were at infantry right. unit went wayward as a child and then when they kind of find that thing they realise because there's no iron in team, yeah. if you see what I mean. And it brings that same kind of training and discipline. Yeah. So what age did you start boxing?
2: I was 13. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what, what part of London did you grow up in?
2: I didn't. I was born and raised in the Netherlands. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: So what is, is that, what is that, I'm starting to picture that, so there's probably a lot of racism in there because I hear a lot of stories from passengers. Well,
2: not, uh, not really where I was from, because in like, the neighbourhood I lived was only immigrants.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, yes, in school maybe, we can say it everywhere, you know, racism is everywhere, right?
0: Yeah, within the Europe,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> even outside of Europe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. So you started boxing, and was it a thing like you? You stopped school, and you were just going there daily.
2: No, I didn't stop school. No, I was thirteen. Yeah, so you'd be I surprised was, a lot. Some people. Yeah, drop no, out. true, true. But uh, yeah, I was doing it a f- few times a week. Okay. Yeah.
0: And how how was that for you? Was it a shock to the system, or were you just super fit anyway?
2: No, because I love fighting. So I used to always fight my brothers and stuff, and uh, kids on the playground, and so we was I grew up fighting a lot, and then for me it was a thing where I just wanted to get better. I just wanted to improve my fighting skills, and then because my brothers used to kind of bully me, as in you know in a way where they would be like, oh you can't fight, you know, still beat you up. It was very close in age, yeah, and then yeah, just started boxing and uh, I loved it.
0: Was your brothers boxing as well?
2: Uh, one of them, yes. Yeah.
0: how many brothers you got? Just two. So one of the older, you're the youngest. Yeah. Oh, ah, yeah. so one of the older ones is boxing. Yeah. And how do they address you now? Are they still well, not
2: not back then though. Okay. No, then no, none of them. We weren't allowed to do any martial arts. Really? Yeah. Oh, your mum. Yeah, because she would think that it will make us worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: That's why mums need hus- husbands, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did a vlog about this about when is the, quest- when is, uh, the right age? And I can ask you, man- you're the coach or manager? Yeah, both. Both, both okay. Yeah. I can ask you this when is the right age for a young guy to start boxing? That was the question to the vlog. What would you say?
1: Well, I, actually, I'm coaching a kid right now who's uh, 11. Just okay. turned 12 and he's had 15 fights, won 15. He just won the national championship. Okay. So, for uh,
0: England, not Holland?
1: Yeah, for, for England, yeah. Okay. So uh, he's... Uh, in this country, you can start competing when you're 11. Oh, right. So I would say it's, even now, around about probably eight years old, you could start showing him the ropes, you know?
0: Yeah, so if you think about it, in Thailand...
1: Yeah, it's exactly. Like you're
0: five years old, right? You're doing exactly. kicks and stuff.
1: But boxing's a very dangerous sport. People die in the sport. So it's like my son, I always tell him, listen, I'm, I'm not going to send you to a boxing gym. I want to see that you actually want it, you know, because it's a very dangerous sport. So you you got to really want it, you know, so. And yeah, know your why. Yeah, exactly. Even at a young age, even at a young age. I don't mind showing him the ropes at home and stuff. But to go into a boxing gym and be surrounded by that, yeah, I need to see some f- uh, dedication. And the dedication, and focus, can be from you know what, how he is at home, you know, mm-hmm. making his bed, cleaning his room. You know, the discipline starts from there because yeah. right. that will transfer over into the boxing gym as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good. But yeah,
1: point, I've man. got because I've I've come from we relate a lot actually because. I grew up in foster homes from the age of two years of age. I stayed with 14 different families and started living on my own from 16 years of age. So for me, boxing, pretty similar to him as in not wanting to listen to someone that's telling me what to do. So with boxing, I created this for myself. I created my empire. You know, I built up my name. I've, you know, took on fighters and, you know, gone on a journey with them. I've just opened up my gym so it's a, to me, it's a world that I've created that nobody can destroy. Like people destroyed my childhood. Like I have full control over it. Mm-hmm. So like when I step into the boxing gym, or when we stop step out into arenas. Uh, like the last one was in front of uh, was at Wembley Arena, ten thousand people. When I step out there, it's like there's no fans in the arena. I'm in my element in my world. When I'm, but when I'm out here, I'm a bit more reserved and you know Okay. yeah
0: so you're on sky and everything then you're doing these shows. yeah yeah we're
1: yeah we're everywhere okay. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: you need to remind people where, where's your gym <laughs> the yeah there's like-
1: loads you've got uh trenches 1605 that's the the gym that just opened you got me the daily effect d-a-l-e-y so the daily effect mm-hmm. uh, then you got my fighter here martin foru F-O-R-U Martin Foru uh, but then I've got other fighters uh, that like one of them's got 10 million fan base <laughs> mm.
2: yeah it he, must be good he, yeah his one.
1: name's Deji comedy gamer uh, then you got King Kenny he's he's got like 2 million fan base so we're all we're all known on the on mm. we're all good with social media and stuff like that everyone knows who we are okay so yeah
0: so why I was your stories are very interesting there's a lot of questions I need to ask. Were you brought up in Netherlands as well?
1: No, no, no. I was born in. Uh, I no, I was brought up in Hertfordshire. Okay. In a little town called Ware. Oh,
0: okay. And yeah. you find yourself in London.
1: When I was first time I stepped foot in London was probably around 13. Okay. I went came to a, a temporary foster home, uh-huh. and it's the first time I saw London. And I remember the other foster kids in the home took me down to the West End. And as a 13-year-old, the West End looked like Las Vegas to me. Yeah. So when you've been out in the countryside, yeah. locked away, I could walk the whole town in 10 minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and seeing all these bright lights, that's what made me ask the social services, can I get a permanent move to like, foster homes in London? Uh-huh. So that's what made me come to London.
0: I was adopted. Oh, was you? I was fostered. Yeah, I was in children's home for six months. Oh yeah, so we have something coming. there I probably want to interview. So I'm going to do a whole session of people being adopted and in care. Yeah, interviews.
1: Um, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's a big do, one. Yeah,
0: doing a season of that and post it out there because I've got different platforms. For yeah, a there's point. not a lot.
1: Of not it's good because a lot of people need more. I think awareness about the care system. Yeah, that, uh, what the... What, uh, yeah, I th- recently there was a documentary not long ago, a little episode on... And it had Chris Aga, Agabusi yeah, on it. Yeah. So that was interesting. And
0: he was in Wales or Devon or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And it was... Uh, what hit home to me is... Chris Agabusi, he was saying... Yeah. He was saying, for some reason, it's not so much the dad that you want. Even though you, the dad is important, you need them around for, you know, that discipline and authority... But you always need your mum.
0: Yes, your mum provides nurture.
1: Yeah, exactly. Your dad
0: provides guidance. I always say to my daughter, your dad provide, as a father protection and guidance. Yeah. And discipline. That's my role, your mum's is to nurture. Yeah. And yeah, you make mistakes or whatever in life, so you always need that. Nurture.
1: Especially with women. Because yeah. I never had a mother, I've made a lot of mistakes with women because you're always looking for that, you know, that, I don't yeah. know, mother figure and a woman, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I would say I lean more to having a, a father to guide you. So when yeah. you have that father to guide you, then you naturally know how to deal with women.
1: Oh, okay. Because yeah, a father,
0: think about it, a father t- typically being the head of the house. That doesn't mean he's a dictator. That means he's the one who makes sure everybody has what they need. The mum runs the house. My yeah. friend he has been married for 28 years says, he is the head, but his wife's the neck. Yeah, the, the head can only move if the
1: neck allows it. So he is the head. So like Martin here. He's fine, he finds it hard. You <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: married Martin?
1: No, he's uh, but he finds it hard to just, like if there's a woman he likes. Even if he likes her and has feelings for her, he just finds it difficult.
2: alright start exposing
1: me. No, <laughs> oh, right, but it's life, innit not it?
0: Yeah, we've all no. got we've all got our. It's not even a, you know, anything is about recognizing.
1: Yeah. To move forward.
0: So how did you two meet?
1: You start because you came to the country, so you can answer that.
0: And why did you leave Netherlands?
1: Well, I was back and forth since the age of five. So I was going back and forth
2: because my parents separated when I was young. Right? Oh,
0: so one's from here?
2: Not from... So my dad's Ugandan, my mum's Dutch. Okay. And Uganda was colonised by the Brits. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Well, not a lot, but... Yeah, Ugandans tend to move to the UK. Yeah, so I got quite quite a bit of family here. So it was just for visiting, but I felt more at home being here than being in the Netherlands.
0: Why? Why is that?
2: I'm sure maybe more p- people of colour, you know, more more people I can relate relate to. And I'm a city boy at heart, you know. I just like big cities, and mm-hmm. but yeah when I was 18 or 19 I made the decision to permanently move to the UK because I wanted to pursue my career you know I wanted to be a professional boxer and in the Netherlands professional boxing is very small yeah it's a small country isn't it? yeah it is is about 2 million or something? no no no. maybe 16 16 okay yeah it's small but it's quite quite a few people live there alright but yeah so when I moved yeah I moved here but already one of the boys in the in the area who I inspired to box He started boxing So I was here every I don't know Summer Winter You know Whenever I got the time Or whenever I got expelled Or you know some Something was happening In the Netherlands I'll come to the UK And then one of the boys I inspired to box And then He When I was here He goes Oh come with me To the To All Stars The name of the gym is mm, And I, then yeah, have heard took of to that gym.
0: Where's
2: that? It's in yeah, West But by Harrow Road Oh okay Labrador yeah, there we met. That's where we met, yeah. All right. Straight away, we start, you know, doing some pad work and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, actually, when I... So, I only... Yeah, I really wanted to go professional, right? And uh, I spoke my mind. I said, listen, I want to go pro. And I think that's when you got your license to go pro.
1: Yeah, As I a t- coach. T- yeah, yeah, I turned... Yeah, I got my... Because I used to fight as well, amateur and professional. Mm. Uh, then I stopped because f- of an injury, but I just told myself i want to keep that same focus and dedication and mm. and i could have been a world champion it didn't work out but I'm, I'm going to create world champions so i decided to get my pro license so we've actually been on the journey together from from the first day
0: mm. what kind of injuries because that's a big decision to make to stop your career based on an injury what kind of injury is that that you would decide i have to take a different route in this
1: sport i love well mine was my rib Because it never healed properly. So getting hit there, when I was in America, I got hit there again. And I I just, you know what, I'm going to call it a day. But obviously boxing, it could be anything. The worst one, obviously, is brain injuries. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a blood clot on the brain and then that's the end. You will never get a license again.
0: Do you have to, as a boxer, you have to get a medical like every... Every
1: year, yeah. You have to get brain, MRI for your brain. You have to get a full body check you have to get eye test hiv hepatitis oh Oh, yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. so Mm. so there's a lot
0: going into it's not just getting in the ring and scrapping no
1: (laughs) no i I bet you any money that all the fighters are more scared of the hiv result (laughs) than getting in the getting in the ring
0: (laughs) oh yeah they've been misbehaving yeah i I hear you i hear what have you two learned from the industry that you wish you knew when you had started?
1: To try actually well I'll say what my brother told me one of my older brothers who was a boxer he told me when I first got into the industry because he was very known in boxing he had over a hundred fights and he told me bro watch what you say and who you say it to and that's the only advice he gave me (laughs) after all the experience he has in boxing that's the only advice he goes I don't need to tell you anything how to coach people, what to do, etc. But you just watch what you say and who you say it to. Because boxing's a small world. And there's a lot of obviously, you know, cruel people in boxing that don't have your best interests at heart, you know. They're on the surface they look like your friends, but really they're not your friends. So and that's why I became a manager as well. Because I thought, especially I became a manager really just for Martin because we've been through the journey together and we trust one another and uh, instead of having a manager that's is not with you day to day and just calls you once in a blue moon Mm. uh, then uh, why not just you know be there when he wants me you know what I mean
0: yeah have someone who's fully in yeah okay I hear. what about you Martin what have you learnt that you wish you knew when you'd
2: started (laughs) look at that smile (laughs) <laughs> there's many things I wish I I can't say I didn't know it because everyone knows there's corruption and everyone knows there's uh, you know politics but I never knew how serious it was until you experience it for yourself.
0: There's a lot of money involved in the game though, isn't it? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, when you say corruption, in what sense?
2: Well, let's not go too deep now, <laughs> but I don't know, man. It's not, it's, it's not really... It's not all about talent, you know. It's just about who you know.
0: Like, if you can... It's a bit like I saw something talk about MMA, where they talk about there's a lot better fighters than... What's the Irish guy's name?
2: Conor McGregor. Yeah, Conor. Yeah.
0: But because Conor can really put on a show. Yeah. really think. So yeah, who yeah. are you going to take? Are you going to take the quiet actor? Yeah. The quiet boxer or MMA fighter who doesn't... Who who will always win but it's yeah. quiet. Well that's that's or even a different aspect
2: though. But there's there's also ticket sales. Yeah, no but there's also like fighters that might not be so talented, even not talkative, they're not marketable, but still they're being put on these massive shows just because they've got big money backers or you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Like all oh, yeah, they sell a lot of t- a lot of tickets and mm-hmm.
1: yeah. You know. Oh yeah.
2: It's not too much to do with talent.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's far from talent a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah You can have someone that sells, mm. just because they sell 2,000 tickets, they're getting a big contract. And ne- they, defi- they probably won't even become world champion, but they're making money mm-hmm. in the short term. So they just sign them on the contract and then build them and manoeuvre them in a way where they stay away from the big fish mm. just to make them as much money as possible for as long as possible. You
0: know, so. so that sounds interesting because what brings to mind a number of things. I don't follow boxing or anything like that, but is if you started off, let's say I was a young guy and I started boxing and I had a big social media presence, I built up my social media. Then by the time I got to like semi-pro or something like that, a lot of people would be interested in me because I've got my five million followings. Mm. Do you see what I mean? And they think, oh, well, we give them a chance because we know. If out of those five million followings, we're at least going to get a hundred thousand tickets sold. Do you see where I'm going?
1: Well, that's what well, it's gone that way anyway. What you just said about social media—you've so got the Logan have Paul have boxing now.
0: Yeah, you have got the Log- <laughs> Logan Paul, and all of
1: that. Right? Yeah, that, you know, even on the small, even the ones that are not Logan or Jake, on the small end of the scale. Mm. Of the social famous social media pe- people, mm-hmm. they're earning like a hundred grand for just four rounds. When, if you compare that to someone that isn't with a big promoter, a professional boxer, and they just start out, they they probably earn just a, a, a thousand pounds or less, mm-hmm. you know, for a four round fight. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you the difference and the power
0: mm.
1: of uh, social media as well.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. What does the future hold for you too?
1: For me, it's just you know make my gym known all around the world. So it's a destination point. You don't have to be a part of the gym, but let's say you're from, let's say you're on holiday in town, but you love boxing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you wanna you wanna come a uh, uh, train, you know, in the gym, and obviously to create world champions. That's what I'm here for, man. To create world champions, like this one here, Martin is gonna be a world champion.
0: Mm-hmm. And Martin, what's your overall? plan what's the future hold for you
2: i'm going to be the champion of the world okay what weight are you i'm super middleweight okay but i'll be the champion of the world in super middleweight so what and like heavyweight
0: what weight is super how much how much is
1: super middleweight what weight? 168 pounds or in kilos 76.2 kilos
0: yeah. okay so that means you're not too heavy really are you no 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 cuz i'm thinking of my weight
1: yeah, I'm like Only, a, when, he to, I'm only when he goes back home to Uganda he puts on I'm, I'm
0: 116 kilograms okay
1: You're 116? Yeah Okay
0: yeah And I used to be heavier I've actually dropped
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah You're a big guy uh,
0: But anyway gents it's been great interviewing you we're here now at your destination Remind yes, people yeah. where can they find you?
2: For me is Martin Foru F-O-R-U
1: on Instagram Facebook or whatever and this is the daily effect but daily spelt d-a-l-e-y uh, and then through following both of us your your see the other social medias the other fighters that are connected with us that are in our gym so yeah okay. and i just followed you anyway on instagram
0: okay well thanks a lot for that and we wish you well we hope that episode enhanced your life we post an interview every day as well as vlogging on our social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe to get our latest episode.